Welcome to the study of God's Word recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Now let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. And you can keep your Bibles open at Psalm 91. Uh, We're going to just take a a devotional look, not going too in-depth, but uh, a look at Psalm 91 today. And the title of the message is, When Fear Comes Knocking. Uh, And if you like to take notes, or if it's helpful for you, we're going to look at four promises from this psalm, When Fear Comes Knocking. I'm going to share a little bit of my uh, story and my battle as well with anxiety. So last night as I taught, I didn't realize quite and didn't intend that the message would be a heavy message. And so my prayer is not that this would feel heavy today because there's so much hope in this passage. But I do want to just be open and honest and recognize and acknowledge that there are people that are in this room that are battling depression, anxiety, fear. And that's a very real thing. And I get it may not be everybody. We all have our different stories. Some of us battle anxiety deeply. Some of us, uh, we were able to sort of manage that a little bit better. Um, But I do believe this psalm is for every single person in this place, no matter where you are, no matter what you're up against. Um, So I do believe God has a word for all of us. But But I'd like to specifically just kind of gear this at those of us that maybe battle fear and anxiety in our lives this morning. So why don't we pray because we need Jesus to speak to us in this place. Uh, You guys don't care about what I have to say, but we do want to hear Jesus and his voice. So Father, we just, uh, again, thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for the gathering of your people. Thank you for the design, Lord, that you have uh, instituted, that one of the ways that we grow is in community with other people. And so thank you that your word addresses the, the very things that we struggle with, the very things that we need to hear You have a word in season for us. Your word says that as the snow falls and covers the earth, so your word falls on our hearts, Lord, and it accomplishes what it was sent forth to do. You promise there's no time wasted in your word because it will not return void, Lord. It will accomplish what it was sent forth to do. So we believe that, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I just ask now that you would, Lord, fill me and give me your words, Lord, because I need them. And I pray that you would open up our hearts to your word and open up your word to our hearts in this place. And we pray this in Jesus' good name. Amen. All right. So I was looking a little bit earlier, just a couple statistics. I'm not a big statistic guy at all. I don't typically look at these things, but I thought it was a little helpful to just sort of put in context the struggle as, as uh, Americans, at least, uh, that we have with anxiety. I was looking at the U.S. Census Bureau And the percentage of adults with recent symptoms of anxiety or depression is up to 41.5% according to this study. It's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, 36% of adults have reported because of that having trouble sleeping. Uh, Another 32% reported having trouble eating. Uh, Anxiety went from 11% before the pandemic to this 41.5% after the pandemic. And it's especially hit young adults from the ages of 18 to 24 because they are the hardest hit with those numbers rising to 56%, uh, according to the study of young adults battle anxiety. And this is trending not just in the states here, but we're actually beginning to see this trending more worldwide. Um, And so this morning, I would just love 
to get some encouragement from God's word about what we can do personally if you are a Jesus follower in this place, when fear comes knocking at the door of your heart and anxiety comes into your life, how, how do we manage it? Where do we go with this? And I think Psalm 91 is a great place uh, to at least begin. There's many Psalms. What I love about the Psalms is they speak to every emotion and every season of our lives. And this one particularly has ministered to me in my bouts of deep anxiety. And so, uh, we don't know exactly who wrote Psalm 91. Uh, I, I tend to think maybe David, because it has familiar language in this psalm that we would see in other psalms. Uh, but because it's anonymous, it's considered an orphan psalm. So some people think maybe Moses wrote it. He wrote Psalm 90 right before this one. Again, some think David wrote it. But here's what we do know. We do know the Holy Spirit wrote it. And we know that God's word says he's breathed life into the pages and into the words that we're about ready to read. It's living, it's active, which means if you hear my voice today, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you through his word. Every single time, whether you're alone in your room or whether we're gathering together, he speaks through his word. It's not a book that sits on a shelf that's full of poetry and history, though it is, but it's living and it's active. And so I believe God has a word for us today. Now, if you're here and you're struggling with fear and struggling with anxiety, as I mentioned before, don't, don't tune out if you're someone that says, that's not me, uh, I, I, that's not really something that I battle with. Now, I understand, um, but if that's not you, praise the Lord for that. I'm so glad. Uh, it, it's not something I signed up for. I don't like um, you know, battling fear and anxiety the way that I personally struggle with it and have struggled with it for most of my life. But I do think that for all of us, there will be moments where fear will come into our lives um, and can potentially consume us. Uh, and, and that's kind of where I feel like the psalmist is taking us here in Psalm 91. I also know that just from conversations with people in the church here, that there are many of us sitting here in this place this morning that are living a life of fear, that are being held back because of that and being held back from everything that God has for you. And there are those that are in this place this morning feeling silenced and smothered and scared. And so if that's not you, would you at least begin in your heart to pray for the person to your right or pray for the person to your left? Because statistically, um, there, it's most likely that's, that the person near you is wrestling with these things. And I'm hoping that our time together will bring encouragement for us as we look into these things. Um, as we read the psalm, Psalm 91 it's a picture of being in the middle of a battle. And the psalmist writing this, no doubt, is in a physical battle with real arrows flying by and swords clinking and people, dead bodies around. And so he's speaking to the, to the fear in the midst of that. But this also applies so perfectly to the spiritual and the emotional battles that you and I face because there are promises that are in this verse particularly for those of us that struggle with anxiety or for those of us that struggle fear. So again, if you guys are taking notes, there are four promises when fear comes knocking that I'd like to pull from this and then just close with a couple of takeaways. So four promises when fear comes knocking. Number one, first promise, we have a place to hide. We have a place to hide when fear comes knocking. Let's look at verse one together. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Beautiful. God has a secret place of his own 
and he's inviting you and I to dwell there. If you're taking notes, you can also write down these two verses, Psalm 27, verse 5, and Psalm 31, verse 20, because they both also speak of this secret place. Now, the word dwell here in verse 1 means to remain or to sit or to settle down. The idea here is to take off your shoes and to stay for a while. In the Hebrew, the idea is to make yourself at home, to dwell. And notice that the nine verses that we're looking at both start with dwelling, this idea of dwelling, and they end with dwelling as well. There's this idea of being at home. So right from the start in the psalm, there is an invitation to come and to find rest. Because fear has us running from circumstances that overwhelm us to all sorts of places. And so for some of us, we find comfort and ease in relationships with other people, but that will eventually let us down. We find comfort and ease in the bottle, in alcohol. We find comfort and ease in social media or our job performance or online shopping therapy or whatever it might be. But our invitation here in the psalm is to run to the most high to God most high. He invites us here to come and to dwell with him, to find rest from the fear and from the anxiety in his presence, in his presence, which is wonderful that he is inviting us to come be with him this morning. And where do we dwell? It says here that we dwell in the secret place of the most high. The Most High there is one of the names of God. I love looking at the names of God in Scripture. And so this name is El Elyon in the Hebrew, God Most High. It's used 36 times in the Bible. And God Most High is inviting us to this secret place. Well, what is a secret place? What is that? Literally in the Hebrew, it is a hiding place. And we're going to sing a song at the end of the service here. You may remember this, an old Maranatha song. Uh, it goes like this, You are my hiding place. You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. We're going to sing that together. That's this, that song's coming from this psalm, Psalm 91. This secret hiding place is a, just a place where you and him meet. You're alone with, with, with Jesus. No one else around. Uh, this could be your quiet time at home. This could be when you're away from distractions. You're in the car driving. I often spend my time with the Lord in the car. Uh, this might be you at your bed at night or you waking up early in the morning with your Bible open and your cup of coffee uh, and you're at the dining room table or you're on the couch. But that is the secret place, a place where it's you and him. It's internal where you take hold of your own relationship with the Lord, where the Lord himself will meet with you the Lord will comfort you. The Lord will heal you. And this secret place is a place that's available to every single one of us this morning. So it says here, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now this word abide means to lodge or to stop over or to pass the night. In other words, it's not a quick stop or a quick prayer in and out. Sometimes a prayer can become our last resort instead of our first response, especially when fear comes knocking in our lives. So this idea of abiding is not a drive-through, but a respite or a retreat, spending time to draw away and spend time with Jesus. And we abide, it says here, under the shadow of the Almighty. There's another wonderful name of God there. The Almighty there is El Shaddai, the one who provides. 
the one who provides. So he is so almighty, this El Shaddai, that you can hang in just his shadow and you will be all right. I love that, that the, the fear here in Psalm 91 uh, are, are, are certainly fearful circumstances being in the middle of a battle, a physical battle. But in many of our cases, the fear might be the fearful thoughts that come into our hearts and our minds, or all of the what-if thinking, right, that, that, that can haunt us. So one of the reasons I felt compelled to share this particular psalm is just because I know how much our generation is battling with fear and anxiety, talking with people in the church here, how much you, my brothers and sisters that are so loved, are battling with these things. And so I want to look at this psalm from this end. What do you do when the fearful, scary thoughts um, that, that you think about cause you deep anxiety? What, what do you do with those? So for some of us, maybe those thoughts look like this. Maybe some of us are doubting. And that's a scary thought, right? I, I wonder, am I really saved? Or did I lose my salvation at some point? How do I know? Or what if all of this isn't even real? What then? We have those doubts, those thoughts. Maybe, maybe the thoughts are the, the fear of death, the fear of dying. Uh, particularly if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, right? What happens then after life is over? Maybe it's your future. I, I'm, I'm alone. I'm single. I don't want to be alone. I'm afraid of being alone. I don't know what my purpose is. I'm afraid I'm going to waste my life. Maybe it's your past. Maybe there's shame from something that you've done in your past. Maybe a broken relationship that still continues to cause you deep hurt. Maybe it's financial debt, and that is overwhelming you and causing you fear. Maybe it's, it's abuse from your past that continues to haunt you still to this day. Maybe it's deep insecurity. You're constantly finding yourself comparing yourself against other people, people at work, people in your circle, your community, but you're finding yourself always coming up short. Um, maybe it's medical problems. I know there's a number of us that have been praying for healing um, and we're, we're, we feel trapped in our bodies with no help and the doctors aren't able to answer. Maybe, maybe that's your fearful, scary thought. Um, if any of you have ever battled panic attacks, which is basically anxiety gone wild, you know that they seem to come out of nowhere and they're some of the most frightening things a person can, can experience. It's a heavy feeling of dread. A lot of times people will wake up in the middle of the night after having a bad dream uh, and, and, and the feeling of it is you're sweating and you're physically shaking and your heart is palpitating. And then what happens is now your mind is racing, so then you begin to get anxious about having another panic attack. It becomes this vicious cycle that just spirals downward. And there are a lot of people in this room that that is their story. I personally have struggled with deep anxiety over the years. I remember my first panic attack. Uh, I don't remember my age. I said yesterday seven. I think I was probably maybe a little bit closer to 10 but uh, we were living up in Oregon for a short time, and it was the 4th of July, and we were at a parade, and I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, I felt like I couldn't breathe, and I felt like my heart was starting to pound out of my chest, and so the emergency room, thankfully, was only a block or two away, so my mom, of course, takes me there, and the doctors check me out, and I'm sitting there waiting uh, as the doctor goes and talks to my mom, and I hear him in the other room say, I think your son is having a panic attack. All the tests came back. He's completely fine. So the doctor comes in and kind of explains to me for the first time what a panic attack is. Never knew what that was. Never heard of it before. Didn't know where it came from. Um, but, you know, helped me. Like, here's how you can help calm it. You can, some breathing exercises you can do. And so 
left there, and, uh, and I, I continued to battle a bit with anxiety even into high school, but, but it wasn't anything overwhelming until I started hitting my 20s. And for whatever reason, all of a sudden, I found anxiety becoming a constant in my life. It was almost underlying everywhere I went. And it began to grow to the point where I was having multiple panic attacks, sometimes even daily, where I would be talking uh, you know, to somebody or in a group of people, and I just need to run and get away because I started to feel that, that feeling of the walls closing in or the feeling of not being able to breathe or my heart would begin to palpitate. And a lot of times I would have all these fearful, scary thoughts in my mind about, that, that would create some of this anxiety. And, and not all of it was rational thoughts, um, it was a lot of the what-if thinking. What if this happens? And particularly after I got married, um, what if something happens to my wife? And that started creating all this anxiety. Then we had our first kid. Well, what if something happens to my first kid? And really, it was, it was in, in a bunch of ways, me not trusting the Lord. But I was a pastor at this time. And I was battling and struggling with this. And one of the things that helped me so much it was a pastor that I sat down with to talk to and he shared with me his story, and he had gone through all of the same things. And, and as he began to speak, just even about the, the, the thoughts that he had and the physical sensations he had and the, the way that it was debilitating in seasons of his life, it brought so much comfort and peace to me to know I wasn't alone in that. And that's the reason I even share this with you, is just so that you know you're, you're not alone if that's what you're up against, if that's what you're battling. And so these shadows of fear that come into our life, they are scary. These thoughts can be overwhelming and debilitating, but this psalm here tells us there is a greater shadow that covers over the shadows of our fears, and this is the shadow of the Almighty. And while it's true, and you know this if you battle anxiety anyway, we're no match for these thoughts. It is difficult and hard and scary, but our fearful thoughts are no match for him because his shadow protects us from fear's shadows. And so note, when, when you see a shadow, if you're walking down a sidewalk and you're about ready to turn around a building and you see a shadow there, you know that there's a person somewhere on the other side of that building because the shadow is indicating the presence of the person. And so, of course, with the Lord, his shadow means his presence is there. You may not immediately feel his presence, when that shaking comes into your life. You may not immediately sense it. The promise is, though, when fear comes knocking, the shadow of the Almighty is there. His presence is there. And so we have this place to hide. You can call it the secret place in the shadow space where we are safe and where we're secure. The second promise when fear comes knocking is we have an answer to reply. We have an answer to reply. It says here in verse 2, I will say of the Lord, there's another name for God, Jehovah there. And then it says there, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. And then it says, my God, there's another name for God there, a different name, Elohim. My God in him, I will trust. And if you circle or write or underline or highlight in your Bibles, you can circle the words, I will say. That is powerful. What do you say when fear overtakes you? Maybe in your own thoughts even. What do you say in those moments when anxious thoughts come and they begin to consume you? If you slow down to think about maybe what you're actually thinking about, maybe you will find yourself saying things like, I'm helpless, there's nothing I can do. I'm scared. 
I'm desperate, I'm unworthy, I'm unloved, I'm alone, I'm not good enough, I'm going to go crazy, I'm going to die, or what if those scary thoughts come, I'm going to kill myself, or I'm never going to get over this. This is it. This is my lot in life. That's scary. Those are scary, consuming thoughts. But rather than allowing these thoughts to take hold, speaking words of faith changes our thought process. So I will say of the Lord, I will say literally means there, I will answer. So when fear comes knocking, how will you answer the next time it comes knocking? Well, I will say, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. A fortress, by the way, is a place of protection and deliverance from our enemies. He is my God. In him, I will trust. And the amplified version there says, in him, I will trust with great confidence on whom I rely. So you could say, when fear comes knocking, I will freak out. You could say, I will try to worry it away. You could say, I'll attempt to control this fear and manage the stress on my own. You could say, I will just run away and curl up in my bed and sink into despair and just hope it all goes away. Or, or you can change your I will. You can say, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. No matter what I'm up against, he is my fortress. He will deliver me. No matter what it is that I'm battling, we have a place to hide. We have an answer to reply. That answer is, God, when my fears overwhelm me, would your presence overwhelm my fears? And then the third promise that we have is that we have a promise to rely. We have a promise to rely. Look at what it says here. We're moving now from who will protect us to how he protects us. It's beautiful how the psalm does this here. Verse 3, it says, surely he shall, and, and that word surely there means definitely. Here's amazing, guys. God is telling you, look, you come to me, you run to me, definitely I will. Definitely I will. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Now, notice this. The psalmist said in verse 2, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. In him I will trust. But notice now he's saying, because I found that to be true in my life, surely it will be true in yours as well. Surely he shall deliver you. Notice that. Deliver you from the fowler. Now, the fowler is not a word we typically use today, but it's one who traps and ensnares birds, usually with a cage. Now, we do that today with guns. They didn't have guns back there, so there were cages, and a fowler would come, and of course, you would, you would trap all sorts of bird or poultry for food. Uh, sometimes it was exotic birds that were worth money, but you have this fowler that would catch these birds, put them in cages. The great enemy of our soul, though today, the devil himself is the fowler. And he is the one who traps and ensnares us in our own thoughts. But God Most High delivers us out of the enemy's traps. That's what we're finding out here. He delivers you also from the perilous pestilence. In Hebrew, it says the pestilence of destruction. Pestilence speaks of disease or even another word there would be the plague. And of course, he's not saying here that pestilence 
won't touch our lives. We just spent three years walking through a pandemic. We, we know, right? It's not that pestilence won't touch us. Sickness won't touch us. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying here, we can find a reservoir of peace in the midst of it. We can find a hiding place where we have the confidence that God most high is ruling over everything, even perilous pestilence. Verse four, he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings he shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. There's this metaphor of God as a bird bringing you in and covering you with his feathers. It says in Psalm 61 verse 4, I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Another picture there. The fowler, back in verse 3, tries to catch us like birds. And one of the ways he does that is he traps us in this continual cycle of fear and anxiety and panic. But, verse 4 here, his truth shall be your shield and your buckler. God's truth is his word. It's his promises. And they are life to us. And his word protects us. And it guards our thoughts. And it cleanses our minds. And it washes us. And, and, and a shield here would be the large triangle that you could get your whole body behind. Um, and nothing can come through it. You get your head, your feet, your hands behind it. Then it uses the word buckler here, which is the small round shield that you would use in hand-to-hand combat. That, that word buckler is the same word in Ephesians 6, where we read of the shield of faith. So it's the same thing. So the point is, in all of this, we have a, we, again, we have a place to hide, the, the, the secret place in the shadow of the Almighty. We have an answer to reply, in him I will trust, to speak faith over our fear. We have a promise to rely, and what is that promise? The promise here is he will deliver us. He will protect us. His word is a protection like being behind a shield. No matter how impossible it it, it might feel to believe that in the moment, it is true. We recall his faithfulness and we remind ourselves he is a promise keeper. If God says, I will deliver you, guess what? He will do it because he's faithful to all of his promises. Fear, on the other hand, is a liar. Fear is a liar. Someone once said this, fear is faith in your enemy. It's believing something that's not true. So fear and faith then can't both take up residence in our heart at the same time. We choose fear or we choose faith. And so what we need to do when fear comes in is we need to learn how to speak faith over our fear until our fear is evicted. So we remind ourselves of God's promises of his truth that becomes our shield and our buckler. And and sometimes we need to keep rehearsing the promises of God because in the moment we may not believe the promises of God. We may not feel them. But if we declare them to be true and if we rehearse the promises of God, um, persevere in that until you believe them because you will. You will see God's promises are true because his name is true, his character is true, and he will be faithful to every one of his promises. So let me ask you a question this morning. Does God want us to be anxious, to be fearful? We know. The answer is no. Jesus says, be anxious for nothing. There's there's nothing that you need to be anxious about, he says. Jesus says this, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about it. What will worry do, Jesus says? It's not going to add anything to your life. If anything, it might detract from your life. Jesus says this, instead, cast all of your cares on me. 
Jesus' shoulders are broad enough to carry whatever it is that you've been carrying. And he invites you to give it to him to carry. He says, take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light. Come to me and you will find rest, Jesus says. Then there's this promise here in verse 5. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. Now, I've read this verse in the middle of a panic attack, in the middle of anxiety. And I will say this, it's easier said than done sometimes to not be afraid of the terror by night. But I will also say this, hold on to this promise. Hold on to this promise the next time fear comes knocking at your door. It continues, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor, there's the word again, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Now, this, this terror by night that it talks about in verse 5 could look different for all of us. Your terror by night may be the fear of losing your job. Your terror by night may be an illness. Your terror by, by night may be the loss of a relationship. Uh, or it could be those scary thoughts that many of us battle. Uh, the nightmares, the cold sweats, the crippling fear, the physical stress that that brings. He talks here also about the pestilence that walks in darkness. This, this deadly infectious disease. People are afraid of illness. People are afraid of death. And in verse 5, then he mentions arrows that fly by day. He's saying this, don't be afraid of these things. Don't be afraid of illness. Don't be afraid of death. Whatever your terror by night is. And there's another place, by the way, in the Bible where we hear of the word arrows. It says in Ephesians 6.16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So the enemy comes, and there's this picture of these fiery darts, these arrows that he shoots at us. And they're the, they're the, the scary thoughts. And, and they shoot at us and they hit us. Or the temptation in the middle of nowhere. We can have some crazy thoughts that just come into our mind. These are fiery darts. And so Paul says there in Ephesians, take up the shield of faith to extinguish what the enemy is trying to, trying to bring your way. Thoughts that you're worthless. God says you are not worthless. You have great value. Thoughts that you're alone. God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Thoughts that you're misunderstood. Jesus says, I'm your high priest and I'm familiar with everything that you're up against. Thoughts that you're overcome with fear or thoughts that there's no hope for you. Hope for someone else, there's no hope for me. Well, the enemy is a liar and everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. And so these are the thoughts that are like arrows that fly at you. He is your accuser. The Bible says he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what he wants to do in your life. Jesus says, come to me. Jesus says, I will be your shelter. Jesus says, I will be your hiding place. Jesus says this, um, my word is your shield, the shield of faith that we talk about. My word is the buckler. And you've also got the sword, right, of the spirit which means we need to be reading God's word. We need to allow it to begin to, to, to help our thoughts. The Bible talks about taking every thought captive to Christ. And one of the ways we do that is to rehearse the promises of God and allow ourselves to say, God, even if I don't believe it in the moment, your promise is truer than whatever it is that I'm feeling, whatever it is that I'm thinking in this moment. I'm not saying this, nor is the text here in Psalm 91 saying that if you're afraid this morning, that somehow you don't have enough faith. And I'm not saying that if you're afraid that somehow you're less spiritually strong. 
I once heard a pastor say something that was helpful for me. He said this, just because we don't have to fear it doesn't mean we'll never feel afraid. Just because we don't have to fear it doesn't mean we'll never feel afraid. So there, there's always, when, when fear comes knocking, there's always the initial terrible shaking that comes, right? The doctor calls with the bad news, or you get the knock on the door, and, and you wake up one morning, and, and you think it's going to be a normal day, but by the end of the night, everything has been changed, right? Your world's been shifted. Many of us have experienced that day before. That doesn't mean we don't feel the, the, the fear in those moments, but Jesus is saying here, I am offering you me and my presence and everything that I am and everything that I will do is available to you when this fear comes knocking. Which leads to our next and our last promise here when fear comes knocking. Number four, we have protection at our side. We have protection at our side. Verse seven says this, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. In other words, God knows how to divide between the righteous and the wicked in all of these things that we're talking about. We can trust him with that. Then he goes on to say in verse 9 here, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. But I think this is important, so if you want to write this down, protection isn't the same as exemption. Protection isn't the same as exemption. Look at verse 7 again. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Here's what he's saying here. You are still in the battle. You're still close enough in the battle to hear the sounds of the battle, to smell the smells of blood and death in the battle, to hear the cries of agony and defeat in the battle, to feel the fear of the battle all around you. But he promises protection in the battle, not from the battle. That's not what he's saying. The battle is still there, but he promises protection in the battle, not exemption from the terror by night. He doesn't say that that will never come, but he promises protection in it and protection against it. If you look down very quickly at verse 15 here in Psalm 91, look at what it says there. I will be with him in trouble. I will be with him in trouble. It doesn't say he's going to keep us out of trouble, but he promises to be protection at our side in the trouble. So God himself will stand guard over you when you're up against fear. Look at all the things that we just read, and I want to just read this one more time because this is true for you, my friend, this morning. He wants you to hear this. God is the most high in your life. He's El Elyon. It's above all. He has an invitation to bring you into his shadow, the shadow of the Almighty. He is your refuge. He's your fortress. He's your deliverer. He's your covering. He's your shield and your buckler, and he's your dwelling place. So with all of this being said, just a couple of quick practical takeaways before we shut down this Bible study. And I do want to give an invitation to you guys at the end of this time together to release whatever it is that you brought into this place. And you don't have to come forward to do that, but we are going to, as we close in worship, invite you forward to that. But before we do that, I just want to give a couple practical takeaways in the next couple minutes. Number one, 
if you're writing notes, be proactive in prevention. Be proactive in prevention. In other words, it's not just what you turn off. It's also what you choose to turn on. Let me explain what I mean. Uh, you can write down, I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but Proverbs chapter 3, verses 21 through 26, speaks there of doing everything that you can to cause your heart to be an atmosphere that is inhospitable to fear, where fear has no place in my heart. How do we do that? We steep our heart in Scripture. We soak our soul in praise. And Proverbs 3 there says, then that will be life to your soul. That will be grace to your neck. Your sleep will be sweet. When we're in God's word, when we have worship music playing that changes the atmosphere and it stirs up faith in us. What is fear attracted to? Well, fear is attracted to any time that we neglect spending time with Jesus. Fear will find its way in if we're not in our personal relationship with Jesus. Fear is attracted to these negative thoughts that we have or cynicism or worry and jealousy and envy because all of those are works of the flesh and terror grabs hold of those things and finds its way into our life. And so what are you feeding this morning in your life? Your fear or your faith? Because you'll know that by asking yourself, well, what is it that I'm reading? What is it that I'm watching? Whose advice am I giving myself to? A lesson I learned many, many years ago is don't watch the news before I go to bed, right? Because that will give me nightmares, especially in these days. Um, But someone once said this, you are either giving the enemy handholds, little opportunities for him to grab a hold of your life, but those handholds then will become strongholds. Are you giving the devil handholds that can become strongholds? One thing I know to be true in my life with my own personal battle and struggle with anxiety, and by the way, I, God has given me, I just want to say, much victory and much help uh, and much strength in my life. Um, and I have found victory um, in, in a thousand ways from what I battled back in my 20s. I still struggle. Anxiety is still a part of my story. But one of the reasons I think God's allowed it to be part of my story, not because I signed up for it, <laughs> But because it says in 2 Corinthians 1, I'm going to comfort you, Josh. And then the comfort that you've been given, you will be able to comfort other people with. And I've been able to talk to so many people about this issue because I've had to battle it myself. And these thoughts that we battle with can't be erased. They need to be replaced. Not just what you turn off, but what you turn on. That's why God says, it's up to you to take every thought captive. That's why God says, Think about things that are true and right and lovely and pure, right? Because thoughts can't just be erased. They need to be replaced. Um, Number two, second takeaway, hold on to God's promises. In other words, filling your heart with truth causes it to be inhospitable to fear and to terror. Let the promises of God be your strongest thoughts in the day. Find the promises of God. If you don't have any yet that are, that are, that are, promises that you hold on to, you can Google the promises of God. There, we have little packets up here that have a list of the promises of God. Come grab one after the service. But read through the promises of God. Find two or three that can be true for you. Write them down. Read them every single day until you believe them. But let them be your strongest thoughts. Someone once said this, and you can write this down if you want to. Our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So if it's anxiety and fear, my life is going to move in the direction of that. But if it's God's promises, and it takes a lot of work to shift our mind, to take thoughts captive, 
to set your mind on things above, as it says in Colossians 3. It takes work to do that, but my life is going to move in the direction of my strongest thoughts. The third takeaway here is to receive the power of his promises by participating in them. I'll say that again. Receive the power of his promises by participating in them. You might ask, what about if I am being proactive and I am reading the Bible and I am seeking the Lord and I am trying to take all those thoughts captive and I still get blindsided? What do I do? Well, when it happens, and it will happen, you will get blindsided, receive the power of his promises by participating in them. It says there in verse 91, I'm sorry, verse 5 of, of, of chapter 91 here, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night. Now that is a promise, but we need to participate in the promise. When, when we think of God's peace, God's peace is not like a dump truck where he just unloads and pours out a bunch of peace and you go grab as much of that peace as you want and take it with you. That's not the way God's peace works. God's peace is a step-by-step surrender to him and he gives you just enough peace that you need in the moment and as you take advantage of it. So we have to be willing to participate in his plan. An example of this is one of my life verses, especially when I battle anxiety. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God says, I will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed on me. So there's his part and there's my part. And it's easy for me to take my mind off of him. And it's easy for me to get distracted. So I need to keep doing it. That's why we call this a daily walk. It is a process that we grow into. And finally, our fourth and final point here, take, our takeaway, is wake people up. Wake people up. Wake up your friends. <clears throat> what do I mean by that? Well, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane before going to the cross. He experienced a night there in Mark chapter 14 of great terror and of great fear. But I always take note of one of the things that Jesus did while he was in the garden. It says there that he woke up his friends. If you remember the story, he invited Peter, James, and John to come to the garden with him, right? And he asked them to stay a while, and then he would go pray. And it says as he went further away to pray, Peter, James, and John fell asleep. So he woke them up and asked them not once, not twice, but three times to pray for him. Why? Because Jesus knew that he needed it. See, the enemy would, would like for you to isolate yourself in a loop of loneliness. That's what he would love, going around and around and around and around in your mind with nobody in your life to help you. He hopes to keep you in your fear a secret that no one else would know. He wants to smother you and suffocate you and steal your peace and silence. That would be his goal. But the moment that you take that fear to God and the moment you take that fear to others, everything changes because now you're shining light on it and it's in the light that God works. So let me ask you a question. Do you know how much power comes from getting people to pray for you? Listen, if the Son of God himself, if the creator of the universe asked for prayer from his friends, why are some of us here this morning living a nightmare and not telling anybody about it? Don't let the bottom drop out because you don't have a Peter or a James or a John in your life. And if you don't, pray for it because God will bring that to you. But I will say this, for starters, you have people here that will pray for you. So I'd like to call the worship team out here. And we are going to give you an invitation this morning. I know it's hard sometimes to to respond to an invitation. And it's not that anything spiritual or magical happens when we say, hey guys, would you come forward for prayer? But I do want to say, 
it provides an opportunity for you to take a step of faith and to say, I am carrying this, and I would love to leave this here at the altar this morning. I would love to receive prayer. Don't be embarrassed because Jesus asked for prayer. Jesus knew he needed it. And listen, fear knocks at the door of our hearts. But the Bible also says Jesus stands at the door of our hearts and Jesus knocks. And he says, if you hear my voice and you open the door, a promise is there. I will come into your heart. I will take up residence in your mind and in your thoughts. And he will evict fear and he will evict anxiety and he will clean up the mess that it's left behind because he dwells with us and he dwells in us. And the whole reason this is possible is because Jesus paid the ultimate price to forgive us of our sin. We were born enemies of God. We were born naturally prone to anxiety and to fear. But Jesus came to say, if you believe that you're a sinner and you acknowledge that, and if you believe that I came, Jesus would say, and I died on the cross to forgive you of your sins, to release you from them, I died in your place And if you confess me, not just as the Savior of the world, but as your personal Savior, then you will receive forgiveness. You will receive eternal life. But you will also receive all the benefits that come with that. And one of the benefits is this. You can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. You can come into his presence here this morning and receive help in time of need. He is your refuge. And there's, it's a storm out there. It's, cr- it's crazy out there. <laughs> but in this place, there's peace and there's calm. Maybe some of you have never come to the cross. Maybe some of you have said, I, I've, I've played religious games. I've done all of that. I've gone to church my whole life. But I don't know if I have a personal relationship with Jesus and, and therefore have access to all the benefits that come. Look, today's the day of salvation. Come forward as we worship. We're going to have pastors come forward. They're going to be here to pray for you. Come forward and pray with the pastor. But maybe it's just time this morning that you reorient and reposture your heart back to the cross again and know that all the blessings that flow are not just salvation the moment you got saved, as, as, as amazing and wonderful as that is. But the peace that flows, the comfort that flows, the protection at your side, the hiding place, that he is when fear comes knocking. So what we're going to do here is we're going to sing. And then after this one song, we're going to call the pastors. Ian's going to call the pastors up. And I would just say this. Take advantage of the men, the women, the prayer team that will be up here to pray for you. Take advantage of that. And don't leave here with that weight still on your heart. Run to Jesus. Come to the altar release that burden. Let us pray for you. That's what we're here to do. Jesus is here. I believe he's speaking to a number of us in this place. So please, guys, don't let pride keep you from from unloading this burden here in this place. Let's walk out of here with freedom and with peace and with joy in our hearts because of everything that Jesus promises he is. Amen. Amen. All right, let's sing. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-GRACE. 
888-888-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.